0: Dude, somebody needs to help me. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Strength for Tomorrow Radio. My name is Stuart Thompson. In case you need to know that information, it's not that important, but just so you know who's talking right now. If you've been here before, if you've listened before, welcome back. If this is your first time, even bigger welcome to you. Last week we talked about how strength training can help you get better at pretty much everything in life, sports, your job, your family, with your kids, with your grandkids, getting up down the stairs, brushing your teeth, if you're a mechanic, if you're a builder, if you have a desk job. This week we're going to be discussing lower back pain and you might wonder what qualifies me to talk about lower back pain. Well, there's a few things. One of them is I have a lower back, as do you. I've experienced lower back pain, as you probably have as well, but I've also looked into it quite a lot. I've dealt with it with uh, clients on a regular basis. It's something that is quite a unique, sorry, it's not a unique experience, It's, it's a common experience for pretty much everybody over the age of about 30. Um, And if you haven't got lower back pain yet, count yourself very fortunate. You're probably just not old enough. Everybody will experience it to some extent in their life, especially in the West. So I'm not gonna diagnose you. I'm not gonna give you medical advice. What I am gonna do is share my experiences um, in dealing with it, share clients' experiences in dealing with it, and give you some statistics around it, and give you some expert advice I'm going to tell you about what they recommend that you do with your lower back pain and also some of the shortcomings in the current um, treatments that are out there at the moment and why you might feel fed up with it. So, yeah, all that to come. And modern problems require modern solutions. So, first of all, I'm supposed to avoid any claims or legal challenges, I should state that I am not a doctor. And I'm not here to try and diagnose you or treat you. You know, what would I know? I'm not a doctor. But having said that, doctors don't really want to hear from you if you've lower back pain either. And I know I'm speaking quite generally, but if you've ever you know been to a doctor with back pain, you'll get that distinct impression as well. Now, as I said, I'm talking generally. Maybe some will take more interest than others, but... Typically they'll give you painkillers, they'll maybe send you to A&E or if it's really bad they might refer you to a consultant but you're probably going to, have to crawl through the door in agony to get that far to get referred to a consultant. Just for one reason or another, doctors don't really want much to do with your back pain in general. You know, There's time constraints, there's resource constraints and also the fact that they don't really know what to do about it. They just don't know, they're not really trained, they don't really have to think too much about it unless they are you know specialized in that field they're just not equipped to deal with your back pain in fact i would say that you're better equipped to deal with it than they are because you're feeling it and they are not and you can do the day-to-day things that can take care of your back and rehabilitate it and they can't you get one doctor's appointment maybe every now and then to check up on you but by and large you're in charge of it so and i'm speaking generally here i'm not one of the kind of brand doctors is all on curing or anything like that i'm just saying doctors of other things that they can take care of and treat. back pain is something that they're just not keen to do um from a resource perspective as well as anything else but you know if you've you know i'm probably getting a load of crap for saying all of that but if you've experienced this and you've been the doctor with back pain you know this to be true i don't have to tell you that that's it's not new information for you um i'm just confirming it for you i've I've had loads of clients and it's a similar experience that they've, they've had whenever they went to a doctor with back pain. But, now, if you happen to have lost control of your bowel or your bladder or you have numbness in your legs or, you know, tingling down your legs or lost control of your limbs, then you need to get to NE really, really quickly. And, you know, you need to go somewhere to get a scan and get, get seen to. You need medical help. That is really important. I cannot stress that enough. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about that amount of severity or... Um, that kind of back pain. I've never experienced that, thankfully, and I never want to. But you need to get medical help, and you can disregard the rest of this episode, if that's what the current situation that you're in. What I am talking about, though, for the most part, I'm going to discuss things like soreness, tightness, back sensitivity, aches, niggles, however you want to describe it. Well, you know, If you're listening to this, you've probably experienced one of those, or you would describe it using one of those words. Also, if anyone, doctor or otherwise, tells you that you have nonspecific back pain, I think you should run a mile. Okay, run. Just run. And if you're in so much pain that you can't run, walk really fast. They quite simply do not know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. Back pain has specific triggers. And just because someone who's supposed to be looking after you doesn't know, you know what those triggers are, and maybe they don't have the time spend looking for them it doesn't mean that they're correct it doesn't mean that they're right and this is not just my opinion this is the advice of leading back expert in the world professor Stuart McGill from um, Water Waterloo University I don't just regard Stuart McGill highly because he's got an incredible first name but the things he has accomplished and the work he has put out has helped thousands of people millions of people maybe even around the world he, he's got a book called The Back Mechanic. He's got a few books out, actually, but I've got the one. It's called The Back Mechanic, and it's the size of an encyclopedia. It's a huge bundle of work, but it really is fantastic. He's got loads of material online as well. He gives loads of talks and demonstrations, does interviews, workshops, and I really highly recommend that you check out his stuff um, if you have back pain or it's something you struggle with. and I want to discuss some of his work later on. He is, he is excellent. He really is. So I wanted to discuss uh, my experience with back pain over the years. I'm thirty three years of age at the moment, and I've experienced significant back pain. I would say just a few times in my life. Um, these episodes have lasted anything from a few hours to a few months. But I want to talk about kind of two or three real, really more memorable, <laughs> memorable ones for the wrong reasons that I've experienced over the years, and I've probably experienced most of the most common ones I would say in life, but. I want to share what I've learned and how I dealt with them and just what happened um, whenever I got them. First of all, it should be emphasized that people who train or lift weights and people who never train or lift weights, everyone gets low back pain, okay? There are no statistics that I've found which confirm that you get more back pain if you lift weights and there's, there's no statistics as far as I'm aware that you get pain if you don't train at all, or you don't lift weights, okay? So irrespective of that. The experiences I've had with back pain have been outside of the gym. They've been more to do with posture and things, and I'll explain that as I go. But it's just the price of being a human and not a dog or a horse or a cow. We've got a back, we stand upright and we have an unprotected area in our back, namely the lumbar spine. So in my early 20s, I can remember getting low back pain probably... I guess it was about twenty one. I was finishing my dissertation for a master's degree. I was working on one summer. I think it was twenty one. Basically I went into a little office at home, sat in the chair with bad posture, should point out. I stayed there from about nine AM until about nine PM. Came in for lunch, dinner, toilet breaks. Apart from that, I was just stuck at the chair reading, writing for about five or six days per week for, you know, a number of weeks throughout the summer. Just chipping away at my thesis. And gradually my back started getting more and more achy. And and I, I know nothing I knew nothing about my back then or how to look after it or, you know, much about posture even then. That's over ten years ago. I tried cracking it and rotating it, you know, kinda of like you see seen chiropractors do. My parents have been to chiropractors and I've seen them doing these exercises, so I thought I'd give them a go. And it felt good, you know, when you crack it it feels good. So I started doing this. Still didn't any help, probably made it worse if anything. But I got momentary momentary relief. Um. Eventually I did go to a chiropractor because the pain just started down my leg which I thought was really odd and it wasn't going away, it was getting worse of him. So the chiropractor said that he wanted the pain to go back up into my lower back and I thought that's a bit odd. Surely we should be aiming for better than that. I'm only 21 but um, he said you know, give me some exercise to do, he said come back in a week. Lo and behold the pain did leave my leg and started going back up into my lower back again because I was doing those exercises. He was pleased about this, he gave me some more exercises, and I went off to South Africa. So I was going on like a short-term mission trip for a couple of weeks. But I had to sleep in a bed that was too short for me. I'm six foot two, so my, my feet were kind of sticking out the edge, and there was an end to the bed. So rather than sticking my feet over the edge of the bed, I curled up instead of stretching out. So I was quite short for time and space to do my exercises, so I kind of skipped most of the exercises. And I was, I was curled up in a ball in bed, and... Lo and behold, my back did start to get worse again. It started to get tight. Just because I was, so, I was so busy, I didn't really get a chance to do the exercise. So I just sort of stretched out and tried to do what I could. Made the best of it. Um, but the point is, my back got better when I stuck to the exercises. And then I improved my, my desk posture. And I started incorporating regular breaks. You know, the move, the stretch. And then I learned a bit more about ergonomics and how to set up your desk properly. And... Um, you know it was right as rain and then i got, got back quite quickly i got back really um really fast and then i guess i went through my 20s largely avoided any sort of back pain episodes throw your back out every now and then but it was literally a couple of hours it was it was grand again it was never something too severe and it was a bit like you kink or kink something and you know you walk it off and you're fine Um, still i was training heavy i was getting stronger I was lifted heavier than i ever lifted and I was working at desk job most of the time as well. It wasn't until I actually started the gym that I started to experience some back pain again, which I know is ironic. Start a gym if you want to start getting getting sore, but I was I was wrecking my brain and trying to figure out what was causing this. I was filling in my lifts. I was critiquing my technique. I was sending the videos to friends. I go, do you see anything wrong with my technique here? Is it my technique? Like, what is causing my back? Because I was training so much, I started assuming that it must have been must have been my training, but. I had changed cars and I thought, maybe it's the driving, I'm doing more driving now, and there's a different seat. So I got a lumbar support. Nope, this didn't help either. And then I went to a chiropractor, it was a different one this time, and this was a real eye-opener. If, you, if you've if you ever been to this chiropractor, you'll maybe know what I'm talking about, but not all trainers are made equal, not all doctors are made equal, not all physios, not all chiropractors. So basically, the first session he told me I needed an x-ray before he could start treatment. And then he charged me something like £65 for the x-ray in 15 minutes on a wee machine, this bed you lay lay down, face down on. And it was supposed to decompress your spine, I guess. And then I had to go back a week later and then he would tell me the results of the x-ray and another 15 minutes of treatment. But, you know, you're only there for maybe 20 minutes in in total. But I drove quite a distance to go to it and then drove back home again. But lo and behold, he, uh, he said that I had degenerative disc disorder and I needed a 12-week course of his chiropractic treatment to make my back feel better. Now, I couldn't heal the the, the uh, degenerative disc disorder, but he said that it would get me out of the pain cave, basically. So I was stunned. I was about 28 at 29 at the time, and I thought, this is terrible. I've got a disease. This is a disease that's not going away, and uh, it put sort of fear in me, but, you know, they gave me the option then, you know, you could pay all 12 weeks up front or pay in installments, but that option was going to be more expensive. So I thought, this is very, very strange for treatment. And then having gone to physio since this for it, I realised that uh, no, this is not common practice. If a physio thinks that you need more treatment, he'll tell you to come back the next week or he'll let you book in yourself. He'll not say you need to come for 12 weeks. So I thought that was very odd, but how did this guy know he was gonna make my back better in exactly twelve weeks. What if it only took eleven weeks? What if it only took three sessions what if, you know how how can you possibly know how quick it's gonna get better? So I said I'd leave it. I'd have a think about it. I drove home as fast as I could to start researching the general disc disease. What is this? What the chiropractor didn't tell me was you know what I just told you earlier that eighty percent of Westerners get it. It's really common. It happens to most people more than not. The chiropractor also failed to mention that not only is it really common, but you could have a scan of two people who had degenerative disease and it would show up in both the scans. But one person, they could be experiencing pain. They could have back pain sensitivity and the other might not. But whenever you did the two scans, you couldn't tell which was which. You wouldn't have known who was who from the scan. So whenever I discovered this, it really gave me a lift. I thought, oh, I'm not broken. I'm not diseased. I'm not finished. I'm not that old yet, Um, I didn't have a rare disease, I had a common human experience and it just becomes more common with age unfortunately but it's just the price of being a human and living um, longer than 30 years of age. But Now I want you to think about the language that we used, it was quite manipulative, it was intentionally scary, intimidating, dramatic, degenerative disease. Um, This is something again Stuart McGill points to and talks about how important it is. He refers to it as back pain sensitivity, so it's sensitivity rather than pain, or rather than disease, you know, disease or injury, because language is important. How we use language, how we use words, it forms, you know, it forms emotions in our heads, and you know we can respond to it fearfully, or we can respond to it stressfully, or we can respond to it positively, and depend on the types of words and language that are used around, especially the lower back, like talking about lower back pain. That can set you up for success, or set you up for a lifetime of oh, I've got a bad back, and just uh, diagnosing yourself with a bad back forever. So the other thing that sent me running for the hills was the fact that this guy, this chiropractor, this charlatan, he um, he said he had about well he had about five or six other patients in the building at the same time, so he was going around each room, and each person was kind of laying face down on the beds, with the the bed was kind of motorized it went up and down. The legs moved up and down automatically for about five minutes or so, and then he would come in and get you to roll over and he crack your back or crack your neck, pop this and pop that. He did that every five minutes, just around these five or six people, so he's probably charging like something like thirty or forty pounds per person for fifteen minutes treatment. If you're doing that for an hour, I mean, you know, I mean, it's no wonder he had a lovely Range Rover out the front, but. I just thought, having been a chiropractor beforehand years ago, I just thought, this doesn't seem right, this doesn't seem like he's legitimate. And the fact that he's charging me for 12 weeks up front for treatment that I don't know if I need or not is even more bizarre. So I ran for the hills, and if you want to know who this guy is or wh- where he's located, how to avoid them, drop me a message and i glad you'd gladly tell you. It's probably best if I don't um, name drop on this because i we be a bit busy for uh, dealing with uh, libel suits and things like that at the moment. And he, he seems keen for a pound, this guy. But um, yeah, drop me a message. I would love to save you the time and the money um, instead of going to, to this guy. But I was learning more and more about my back, but I still hadn't really come across the reason that mine was hurting, mine was sore. I changed my bed, thinking that could have been the cause. It was about nine or ten years old to say that's how, how long a bed should last for. Did that. It seemed to help a little bit. I wasn't waking up in the morning and I wasn't feeling as achy, but I still wasn't feeling 100% right. So it wasn't until I discovered what anterior pelvic tilt was that I, re- I realised how to get my back feeling good again. Basically, I was trying to, too hard when I was sitting, I was trying to sit really straight in a seat. I was trying to sit nice and tall and doing so, what I was doing was I was putting an excessive curve in my lower back, my lumbar spine and this excessive curve was it was causing my lower back muscles to get really tight and my abdominal muscles to get weaker the deeper core muscles and the abs at the front okay so some of the ab muscles were were working now I could do hundreds of sit ups I could do incline sit ups I could do all variations of core but it didn't matter they weren't working when they should have been working and my lower back was getting really really tight and the muscles getting really really short so my pelvis if you imagine the pelvis it's like a shelf it was tilted forward okay at the front so you can imagine lower back getting kind of squished up so whenever I lay down the floor there's a gap between my lower back and the ground so the more I studied this the more I looked into it and this expert says that and this expert says says that the more I looked into it the more I started testing out things different exercises and I studied more around it and what to do and I started applying some corrective exercises to help put it put it right so almost instantly started to feel better just felt like I got a release and a relief Getting looser, and um, this posture is still something I have to fight against because I'm quite tall, I've quite a long back, and of course, I spend half my day sitting, half my day standing. I have to do these exercises from now, now and then just to keep it in check, and I'm probably gonna have to do it more as I get older. Another occasion I hurt my back was when there was loads of snow, there's a big, big load of snow dumped. I can run the gym to open up, and I thought it'd be a good idea, I better clear the path. From the car park to the gym, in case someone slips and falls in the slush and ice, so I got a shovel out, and almost I think it was the first shovel I went for. I went to load it up, man. I went clunk, and I could feel something instantly going in my back. I just knew something had gone. So this is a different type of back pain, and it took a number of weeks to settle down. I did go to a physio for this one, and you know a few times, and it started to heal up. Physio was Andrew Fitzgerald. Just a name dropping, by the way. Give him some. Uh, some advertisement in business, he's a good guy, he's a great physio, I can't recommend him enough and I would go to him now and then if I ever had a knock or a niggle that wasn't getting better by itself so yeah, those are some of my main experiences that stand out with lower back pain uh, there's probably other ones but those are the ones that kind of stand out now, are different severity, there's different causes to them but hopefully, maybe some of those things resonate with you or maybe you've been through some of those things uh, I'm going to talk a little bit later on about some principles you can apply to take care of, care of your back and to help avoid lower back pain, things that I would try to do regularly. So now that I've discussed my experience personally with back pain and how I dealt with it and how I figured out what was going on, I want to talk a little bit more about Professor Stuart McGill and one of his case studies, who, who was Brian Carroll. So Brian Carroll, he was a world-class powerlifter for over two decades. Um, elite and pro level powerlifting. So, he came back from a devastating back injury in two thousand twelve. Basically, he broke multiple bones, and a lot of experts said he would never recover from. Him. They said he would never walk again. So, whenever he met Stuart McGill, he said, "I want to compete again." Stuart McGill said, "I could try and get you to walk again, but we'll uh, we'll play it by ear." So it tells you the severity of it. The leading expert basically thought, "Right, this guy's his career's finished. He's never going to lift again." But Brian Carroll now he he he's come through all of that and he actually has he helps other people in private and you know one to one and group sessions trying to help them rehabilitate their back because he's learned so much from Stuart McGill and they actually wrote a book together out of the experience the gift of injury it is called so it's well worth checking out um it's it's in at athletes so it's trying to get them back and to build resilience to compete again after an injury especially a spinal injury but. He went basically from a squatting one thousand one hundred pounds and eight hundred pound deadlifts to like unending pain, disability, and he had a massive spinal compression injury. So he had surgery. He was still in agony, couldn't couldn't really do very much, and his discs were essentially crushed. There's a there's actually a scan. It's a famous photo. He put, he put it in the book, but you can catch it on the internet as well. You can see what his his discs looked like before he met Stuart McGill. Like, I mean, there was nothing there. It was just vertebrae, then more vertebrae. There was nothing in between. So the the gel had been like, squished and compressed so much that it really wasn't doing much for him. But he was able to uh, come back from that. And you should see the before and after photos of the MRI. You would think, it, you would swear it was two different people's backs because you wouldn't think that somebody's back could ever recover from the damage that was inflicted to his. But Professor shirt McGill, he helped to reset his training and, um he helped him fight back and he actually did get back to the winner's podium. He went on the break American records in powerlifting after that. So there's lots lots of expertise in that book. You know, they're both masters in their field. Obviously, Carol from a lifting perspective, McGill from treating and rehabilitating back injuries. But I wanted to share that story because it kind of shows you the calibre of the man Stuart McGill is. But also, if you are in back pain right now, you think about putting a thousand pounds of pressure through your lower, through your back. Now maybe you can imagine that if you're in pain right now, but our backs are essentially all the same. They're all made of the same type of tissues. If you train and you lift weights, you're probably gonna have stronger, more dense, and you'll have more adapted tissues, but this we're still of the the bare makings. It's all the same recipe. It's just we might have a bit more of this and a bit more of that if you do train. Now the ability, if you think about it, the ability to actually hold a squat up, never mind actually. Like letting it down and getting it back up again actually holding a a barbell of over a thousand pounds of weight on your back now I know they had a suit and stuff on a a squat suit but what I'm talking about is the compressive forces and whenever you're in pain you can feel that your back is incredibly weak and incredibly sore and you know there's there's not much you can do about it but you know there is things there are things you can do about it and Professor Stuart McGill in his book and his resources online will show you what you can do about it so don't beat yourself up don't think you're finished don't think you're always going to be that way we'll talk about narrative and what you tell yourself and mindset a little bit later now over the last sort of four and a half years i have trained clients who have had back issues sort of on and off um i had one lady she still trains with me but she's in her 30s and she struggled with back pain and just, just thought, you know what, I want to try and do some, some weight lifting because I've read up and I've read that it can help um, with back pain, it can help improve it. So she started off, got her lifting weights, uh, checked her technique, spent a lot of time with her at the start to make sure she was comfortable doing different lifts, figured out what wasn't good for it, what was good for it, and with the correct technique, she started progressively getting stronger. She noticed her back was feeling lots, lots better to the point where she hardly felt it at all. Now, generally if you do have back pain, you're always going to have to be aware of it, but you'll be pain-free if you can uh, You can sometimes do the right things. I'm not saying it's 100% of the time, but quite often that is the case if you can figure it out and try, and try and fix it. But with weights especially, when it comes to training, if the training is setting it off, there's generally something you can do to improve that. I had another lady and uh, she was in her 40s when she started training with me. She's still training with me now actually but she had a few issues with her back. Her biggest issue wasn't even you know heavy load or a deadlift but it was getting up and down off a bench after she lay down on it to do like a bench press or dumbbell bench press. So we did some different core exercises that bird dog that were um, um was a really good one and she learned to roll off the bench basically until she, she didn't hurt her back anymore. And to the point where it was kind of healed and then she hasn't experienced it since that and she keeps training with me. She's training with me regularly. She's able to deadlift heavy weights, squat heavy weights, do all of those things. Um, we've built in some hip mobility and stretches and strengthening exercises as well that helps keep her, keep her right. I had another lad and he's, he's training with me at the minute and he has a little bit of scoliosis, and a bit of kyphosis, which means he's a bit of an abnormal curve in his spine. So initially he struggled with deadlifts, he said previously deadlifts and him didn't get on and you know they hurt his back a bit whenever he tried to do them at any sort of weight so whenever I observed him I got him to make a couple of adjustments, he said it felt much better and now he's, he's been able to start increasing the weight every single session to the point where he's, he's surprised himself with how much strength he's grown and how good his back is feeling. He's even said his friends and his, his family, he hadn't seen him for a while they haven't got on the last year they couldn't believe the difference in his posture and you know people have been commenting on it as well so i'm not saying weights will fix scoliosis that they won't and especially if there's a really a large curve in your back that maybe requires surgery but what i'm saying is that some strength being built it certainly makes it a lot easier to deal with so i've had countless clients as well you know who struggled with deadlifting, but whenever we started to work on their technique and i made them aware of some things Got them to be more core aware, aware of what their spine was doing whenever they were under load. If there was movement. And then give them a few little tweaks, keeping the weight closer to their body. You know, trying to give them little, little hints, little tips, little tweaks. Things to think about before lifting it. And, you know, a lot of them were surprised at how, you know, that they, they could actually shock. They were shocked that they could deadlift pain free. A lot of people, you know, who have some sort of underlying issues or poor technique, they quite often blame the deadlift for hurting their back. And to be perfectly honest, in the deadlift's defence, it wasn't the deadlift's fault. The deadlift simply found an issue, and then the pain that came from that was a warning that needs to be addressed. So it's not the deadlift's fault if your hips are tight, or if you've never you know, tried to work on your hip mobility, or you know, if one leg feels like it's shorter than the other. There's all sorts of reasons why the back can flare up. Now, I'm not telling you all these case studies and all these experiences because... I'm a back pain expert and I want you to start lining up out the front or phoning and emailing me wanting to train with me to make your back better. Not at all. I'm not saying that. I'm not medically qualified. All I am saying, and the point of this podcast is that with the correct approach to training, you can make great progress. You can get stronger. You can develop and improve your physique if you want to as well. And you can you know, you know can solve an awful lot of problems, but not 100% of the time, but a lot of the time. A lot of the more common back ailments and back issues, a lot of it comes from weakness. So a lot of it comes from faulty movement patterns. There's all sorts of things. Lack of mobility, we'll, we'll deal with that as well. So we've discussed uh, my experience with back pain. We've discussed Brian Carl's experience with back pain and his was a lot more severe structurally and with regards to tissue damage than uh, I've ever thankfully experienced. But the fact remains that you know, we don't want to be leaving you with all these stories of people who have overcome it and then you're still sitting there with back pain or you don't really know what to do about it so I want to think about things that you can do and I can do today to stop it happening and what to do and how to deal with it now the old advice used to be just you know don't you know just go to bed lie down ice pack or heat pack or whatever and lie there and don't move until the pain subsides now there's a time and a place for that but quite often if you go to the doctor or you go to physio the, the advice they give out is to not to lie down for really, really long times or not to rest for too long because quite often that can actually make things worse. So quite often gentle movement will, will help things. Now, having said that, I want to get to the point. Diagnosis is really, really important. So being able to diagnose the pain and trying to figure out what sets it off, what triggers it, what makes it worse, what feels good, what movements can you do that feel okay, what movements can you do that really, really hurt. And basically try and avoid those, those triggers Now, Stuart McGill, again, he talks about, you know, a posture, a load or a movement pattern. So if you can start playing about with those things, maybe you can twist to the left and it's fine, but you can't twist to the right and that hurts. Maybe holding a load like 5 kilos is fine, but 10 kilos is too much. Starts to set it off. There's all sorts of little tests you can do, but it's really important that you learn to self-diagnose. Because, as I said before... A lot of people aren't going to have time to do that. And a lot of the time, even if they do figure out what, what sets it off, they'll they'll still just treat what the damage is. So they'll maybe massage it, they'll maybe you know, mobilize whatever needs mobilized. They'll give you certain exercises to do to make it feel better. But I also want to get into talking about what you can do to stop it happening in the first place. As I always say, prevention is better than cure. Preventative medicine is better than uh, any drug or anything else you can take. So, diagnose it, try and learn to diagnose it yourself, try and learn to figure out what sets it off, is it a particular posture, is it whenever you hinge forward, is it flexion, is it extension, is it rotation, what annoys it, what sets it off, and try and avoid that, give it a chance to heal, give it a chance to fix itself, but if you can do other movements, include those in it. Next thing I want to think about is your, sh- your hips and your shoulders and the mobility in those areas. So your hips, they are designed to be really, really flexible and to move in all sorts of directions. They're a ball and socket joint, much like your shoulder. So you wanna make sure that you are able to maintain flexibility and rotational ability in those joints. Now, quite often the back, because it is caught in the middle, okay, it is stuck between the shoulders and the hips. And a lot of times if the back gets sore, it tends to be one of those areas that has potentially set it off. And what I mean by that is, if you've lost range, you've lost mobility or flexibility in your hips or your shoulders, the lower back will be the part that will start moving more. That lumbar spine will be the part that has to take up the slack. It has to reach a bit more, it has to twist a bit more, it has to turn a bit more to compensate for the lack of mobility where that you've lost in those other areas. So that's why it's important to keep those areas mobile. Um, There's the deep lunge test you can do figure out how much mobility you have in your hips. there is the clockwork hip mobility drill, you can do that as well. Tom Morrison basically has is the has the patent to those, I think. Um I'm just kidding, but he is really good at explaining how to do those and why to do those. It's very hard to describe it over a podcast, but check out his stuff. I'll mention him a little bit later on as well. Another thing to think about is your hinge hinge movement, okay? So how to hip hinge Quite often, I will see in the gym people if they've said they've previously had a history of back pain. I'll start trying try and teach them the deadlift, and the first thing I notice is they don't know how to use their hips. They don't know how to hinge their hips. They're maybe doing the old manual handling technique of bending uh, bending bend knees, but keep tall at the torso. Don't hinge at the hips, and I understand why that is taught because well they don't have time to probably teach them or train them how to deadlift, and if you're lifting awkward things, it sometimes can be a good technique, but. It's a really, really, it's hard to overcome that. If someone has that way of lifting something from the floor ingrained in their head, they think any other way of lifting is going to snap their spine. So I would encourage you to learn how to hinge at your hips properly. Learn how to engage your hamstrings and your glutes, the most powerful muscles in your body, and how to incorporate those whenever you lift something heavy. Um, with If you have a horizontal torso or not. But that's what i find found. People... Most people do not know how to hinge at the hips properly. Most people have a bad habit of trying to squat things, whether well, they should actually be deadlifting or hinging. Okay, so learn how to do that. Um, next thing is to build strength progressively. Don't start off just because you used to do whatever weight and you're younger or a few years ago. Don't think that you're at that level now. If you have not trained and you try and go into it, you're probably going to hurt yourself, and you want to make sure all the structures of your body. Are progressively getting stronger and adapting at the same rate you don't want to just you got strong legs because you, you do you know running or cycling or hill running or whatever if you've got strong legs great but it doesn't mean that your tendons and ligaments are equally strong or your bone density is equally as strong so you don't want to make sure that all your structures are, are building building strength progressively it doesn't mean your core is strong either so if you put a heavy barbell on your back you try to pick a barbell up off the floor and You've got strong legs, but your core is a bit weak. It doesn't know what it's like to pick up that weight from the floor. You need to make sure you're building into it progressively and that you're learning to uh, to brace properly as well. So be patient. it would be my advice regarding that one. Core strength is another area you need to think about. So Stuart McGill, Professor Stuart McGill, give him his proper title. He's a great, he's a great man, so don't want to like, disrespect him. hope to get him on the podcast at some stage. That would be cool. But he recommends three different exercises so the curl up the side plank and bird dog now, curl up is quite similar to a crunch except you're not going to be smashing your discs together every time you try and go up for a crunch what it involves the difference is that you keep your lower back tight to the ground so it's supported by the floor and you're trying to engage your upper abs especially to reach force so you can slide your hands keep your knees up but slide your hands along the floor or put your hands through the middle or slide them up your legs but you're trying to keep your lumbar or spine supported by the ground and that will uh, make it feel an awful lot better. It will also build good abdominal strength. Side planks are another great um, exercise that he recommends. Start off if you have to with you know on your knees and then build it up to a full side plank. But it's a great way to build that, that core strength um, from, your, from a lateral point of view along your sides. Bird Dog's another one that's really important. It seems like it's an easy one until you try and do it properly and stop any movement. So it's a really good way to diagnose actually I find people who maybe potentially have an issue with their back before they they do anything. So you get them in a quadruped position on all fours on the floor and you're trying to reach opposite arm, opposite leg out in front of you, extend the limbs. So right arm and then left leg and then bring it back in again so you're taking away a bit of the balancing ability and you're having to stabilize using your core and using your two limbs that are attached to the ground. If you want to know if you're doing this one correctly, what you can do is get a small ball, like a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball, and set it on the small of your back when you're down in all fours, and then try and do the movement without letting the ball roll away from you. It sounds easy but if you try it it is trickier than it sounds, but if you have good core, if you brace properly and your lower back's not moving, then you will be able to do it successfully. Now there's other core exercises as well that you can include. You don't just have to do what Sturt, the only one Stuart McGill suggests. But those are the three he highly recommends that everybody does, regardless whether you do do weightlifting or or not. If you just want a healthy spine and you want a strong, stable core, do those three. But Tom Morrison also recommends that you do isometric rotational, anti rotational, and reactive core drills or core exercises as well. So isometric—that's just sitting still, like like holding a plank. So be able to hold a strong position. So. Some people get really good at one type of core exercise. Some people boast about doing hundreds of sit ups. Some people boast about holding a fifteen minute plank, but to be honest with you, the core it works in so many different ways and it reacts in so many different ways. So you really do need to um, kind of batten yourself against all different types of uh, of weakness. So there's rotational core strength that's being able to move with control. So the likes of wood chops and things like that are really good to to build that rotational strength in the core. Anti-rotational so be able to stop um, a band pulling you around. So you might be able to chop out and stop the band from pulling you back towards where it came from. That's anti-rotational. And then reactive is balance and stability. So if you, for example, did a plank and you got your mate to put a rubber band around you and started tugging on the one side of it, trying to shift you and move you, that would be reactive. So you have to really react to brace as that happens. So all of those things will help you a stronger spine another one another good one that I would recommend is the ab wheel roller so or you can use a, a Swiss ball as well basically get getting in a quadruped position on the floor on the wheel roll it out make sure your hips are traveling forwards with the wheel not just your arms your shoulders and bring it back in by pushing into the wheel so that's really good that's an anti-extension core exercise which is really good for your lower back and you can you can do something similar if you get a big Swiss ball and you put Your forearms on it, getting a plank position on top of it, and try and roll it away from you just a couple of inches back in and out, or do some rotational work with it as well. So, all those things, whenever you get good at a plank, you can do a one minute plank. You need to start adding in other types of movements, so moving limbs, so you know, tap shoulder taps or tapping in front of you on the ground. All those sort of things are really good for developing more core strength. And you know, how much is too much? Well. Until your back back is, is uh, solved and it's feeling a lot better. Something else you really need to think about. You know if you're only in the gym for a couple of hours a week. Two or three, four hours a week, whatever. The other thing you need to think about is what you do every single day. So the postures you're maintaining for a long time. So if you happen to work at a desk. You need to make sure your desk is set up accordingly. It's set up according to your dimensions and your measurements. And if it's not, that's potentially going to lead you to. Unnecessary back pain your back is probably going to get a little bit annoyed over time with that when you're younger You can get away with it as you get older not so much for reasons that we've talked about already, but You need to make sure that your hips are slightly higher than your knees Okay, so you don't need to be sitting low You don't want your knees up higher than your hips. You want the other way around hips higher than knees you want to make sure your monitor or your screen or whatever you're looking at is Directly in front of your eyes, you don't want to be looking up at it, and you certainly don't want to be looking down at it. If you're looking down at it, as a lot of people are with laptops, your shoulders gonna get rounded, your your neck's gonna get, get in trouble as well. You wanna make sure it's pretty much um, straight in front of your head whenever you're sitting there. The other thing is thinking about is lumber support, so making sure you you've got enough um, lumber support and don't do what I did and try and sit up really tall all the time. It's okay to slouch sometimes because what it does is it actually gives your back a bit of a break and it changes the posture and change is literally as good as a rest for the back. So make sure your desk is set up properly, um, get a lumber support if you need that but make sure your your positions and your heights are all um, correct as well. You know you want your, your keyboard at the right height as well for, for where you're sitting. So there's actually a website, you can actually uh, look up desk ergonomics and Google that and there'll be a couple of websites that'll show you how to set up your desk or how to what height everything should be, then you can measure it accordingly. The other thing to think about is standing desks. So some people have gotten these since last year, since working from home, maybe they've got back pain, and thought, right, standing desk, that's the cure, that's the fix, that'll stop all back pain. And it does help, but the problem is, it's still going to be your dominant posture. You're going to be standing for six or eight hours a day doing your work. And that has consequences for your spine, that has consequences for your posture. And again, like we said, how you deal, with gravity so you know you want to make sure that you are able to to change your position so sometimes maybe have a a station that you can stand up and do in a few hours with or do half an hour standing half an hour sitting and keep swapping it about that is not a bad idea or sometimes people get like a perch so you can kind of you're sitting but you're not really sitting or you can lean on the the standing desk and it takes a bit of a load off your back but basically your most dominant posture the one you do for the most time throughout the day is the one that is the worst for you and you need to just keep keep changing it up, and obviously add in some some nice stretches and bits of rotation for your upper back as you go. Other thing is you're, you're driving, so if you're a driver, you want to make sure your car seat is set up correctly as well as well as possible at least. So not not let, letting the seat down really low, and you're kind of slouching or lying back in it. You want to make sure that it is you know the seat is up as high as it, as you can possibly have it, and you are going to you can relax recline the seat a bit because. We're going to talk about the next part is the different postures and how that works um, on your back. But if you are lying back more than if you're if you're sitting upright, your back is going to be more supported by the the seat. So okay, so it's giving your core less work to do, and it means that your there's less compressive forces going through your your spine as well. So set your set your seat up. Make sure that you you know play about with it. Don't just uh, take my word for it. Play about with it, see what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and do whatever feels good, obviously. There's actually been a couple of studies done on posture as well and sitting position. So if you're standing, um, it basically measured the effects of four different postures on the interverbal disc pressure um, as measured between the third and fourth lumbar vertebrae. So there's no study done from like 1970, but um, there's another study out, and this is on during chiropractic you can have a look at the at the little graphic but basically when you're standing there's 100% pressure when you're when you're leaning laying right back because you're kind of reclined your chair there's 105% Um, pressure going through whenever you sit up a little bit taller there's 115% um, pressure going through and whenever you're sitting up perfectly straight 140% pressure going through them and whenever you're leaning forward a bit more 190% so it shows you the difference from 100 to 190 almost a double double the amount of pressure through your spine and if you're sitting forward all day looking down at a computer screen or you know if your desk or sorry if a car seat isn't right and you're leaning forward there's much more pressure going through that there's another study done um, back in 1970 actually and when you're standing 100% pressure whenever you're lying down 24% pressure when you're sitting perfectly straight you know it's like I said in there there's um, about 140% p- um, pressure and then whenever you're leaning forward 100, again 190 so it gives you this the um, lying down one again that's only 24% so if you want to kind of decompress your your lumbar this is between the third and fourth lumbar vertebrae so it's quite far down your back but it just shows you what different postures do to your back and as you get older and as your discs become less useful shall we say it's important to use correct posture and do postures that are going to help you. So lying back, reclining in your big lazy boy chair, it's not a bad idea. If you're having back pain, it will take pressure off it. Now getting up out of it can be a different matter. So something to think about. And the reason for this is basically from the moment you pop out of the womb, maybe, maybe pop is not the best word to use. Maybe that's not the right word. I was at the birth of my daughter last year and I can assure you it's quite the opposite of a pop out of the room, out of the womb. Um anyway, you know what I mean. Basically, as soon as you come out of the womb, there are compressive forces acting against your body, gravity being that compressive force, and it's pulling you down. And your posture is basically how you deal with that. Okay, so over the years you'll see somebody kind of go into more of a kyphotic state, they'll see them kind of hunched over and dealing with it that way. And like we said in that, that, that those graphics and that, those studies that have been done on compressive forces through the third and fourth lumbar vertebrae, um, those forces will, will, will come into play at different postures, okay? So sitting, standing, lying, whatever. So that's why it's important to change posture. If you're always sitting forward, it's going to start having consequences in your back and it's probably going to start getting really, really sore and achy and I can lead to other problems as well. So it's just to be aware of that. You can't really stop gravity, I'm afraid, unless you want to book one of those flights to space with uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. But for the rest of us, it's probably not really realistic. Something that I made the mistake of doing was I was always cracking my back. So lying on the floor and swinging my legs one way and swinging the other way or just twisting my lower back and trying to get a crack or a pop out of it. Like you know, if you pull your finger and you click your fingers and pull them out of the socket a wee bit, go clunk, 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 and it feels really, it feels really nice. It feels really good in the moment and for a couple of seconds afterwards. But then, same with the back, it's it's not good long term, and you get into the habit of, of doing that and you know having to do it all the time and feeling like you have to do it all the time. But what the back require, lower back especially requires more than anything is stability. Like we said already. You need to create stability in your spine. You need to be able to learn how to brace and how to tighten it appropriately to uh, stop yourself from getting hurt. So, yeah, don't crack your back. Don't at least don't get in the habit of doing it. Sometimes it will crack whenever you do certain stretches or certain things. That's fine. Don't don't think too much about it as long as it doesn't hurt. But it shouldn't really. You shouldn't really be trying to crack it actively all the time, like I was, and like I know loads of people try and do. Like you said earlier as well, I think it's really important what you tell yourself. So you're probably thinking, Stuart, why are you talking to yourself? Well, it's more a case of what you tell yourself in your head. If you get a bad, say you get a sore back, some back pain, and you just think of it as, I've got a bad back, I've got a bad back. You diagnose yourself with having a bad back, in vertical commas. If you listen to someone who's told you you've got a bad back and you're going to have it for the rest of your life, chances are you're going to believe them chances are you're going to uh, go through life thinking that and you're always going to try and protect it and you're going to stop doing certain activities and you're going to avoid them and you might even avoid doing weights or doing things that are going to help it doing certain stretches doing certain movements and postures for the rest of your life and it's a really it really is a mental battle i can't stress this enough just because your back is sore it's not like you've got a broken leg or you've got a broken arm Sometimes the actual tissue damage is minimal, if at all. Sometimes it's literally just because you slept a little bit awkwardly. It's not like there's major structural damage has been done to it. Maybe you just turned a little bit awkwardly. Because your spine is a really rigid, strong structure. It's not weak. Like we said before, Brian Carrigan put over a 1,000 pounds of pressure through his spine without snapping or crumbling. So if you've got a healthy spine, if you haven't got osteoporosis or anything like that, your spine is a really strong structure, so I know what it feels like. Whenever you have, whenever you have back pain, it feels like it's really weak. It feels like it's, it could give way, and it could lock up, or it could, something you know, something's gonna happen. really bad, and it's important to tell yourself, talk yourself around, talk yourself out of it. I don't mean have to go on the street talking to yourself. I mean in your head. Just wanna wanna emphasize that in case you think I would go about the day talking to myself, but it's important to to talk to yourself in positive tones and to. Just assure, assure yourself that you're gonna get through it, you're gonna get better. And you should always know that. And Brian Carl's injury should be a lesson to everybody that the spine can heal, the discs can heal, the the, the the vertebrae can heal, and the structures all around that can heal as well. So with time, time's incredible. You can heal it. If you do it right, if you're patient and you're not silly about it, you can heal it. Um, I know it's an incredibly frustrating process for some people but be positive about it. Don't write yourself off or think you're finished or think you're stuck in the pain cave for the rest of your life. I can assure you that you will have a much better recovery if you have a positive attitude towards it than if you do not. And Lots of studies on placebo and things have found this. It's important to be positive. It's important to have a positive expectation and to hope and trust and believe that it will get better, that the pain will subside and that you will be back to doing the things that you used to be able to do pain-free. So aside from all of that, what I would recommend is that you check out a few experts in the field when it comes to uh, treating the back and self-diagnosing the back and mobility. There's a lot of different areas that you can kind of look into. I would highly recommend. I've mentioned already, but Professor Stuart McGill. So he's got stacks of interviews, resources, and in back pain. What causes it? How to self-identify? it, How to deal with it? How to stop with it? It's all evidence-based. He's a body of work that lasts. It's been over around over thirty years. So he stresses that there's there's always a cause for back pain, and if someone can't diagnose it, it simply means that they aren't equipped to do so. It doesn't mean that they're correct. So don't stop until you do find the cause. Don't stop until. You find what's causing it and what how you can uh, how you can deal with it and uh, make sure it doesn't happen again. I've got his book as I said earlier. It's called um, Low Back Disorders. There's he's got all the ones called the Back Mechanic, and he done one with Brian Carr as I mentioned, which is the Gift of Injury. He co-authored it, so he's a lot of papers, but those are books that he's written for the lay public, the likes of me and you who who are not medically trained, but they're really really helpful. And as I say, he's loads of stuff on his website. It's called um, BackFit Pro. So check out BackFit Pro. He's on social media and check him out on his website as well. You can also look up if you are struggling severely with back pain and you want an expert to look at it. What you can do is he has trained people and he set up a course and people around the world have conducted this course. They've been trained by him and they've passed his course and they're able to now diagnose and treat back pain. So check out the website BackFit Pro and. There will actually be a list of people, no matter where you are in the world listening to this, that will be able to help you and point you in the right direction. Another guy that is a bit closer to home, he's from Lisburn direction, Tom Morrison. So I've followed Tom Morrison for a number of years now. He's got some great, great stuff online. Some stuff on Facebook and YouTube will pop up and also his website. He's a number of courses as well, workshops. He does them now and then that you can go to and he'll, he'll help you out. Now, he's not medically trained. But he's a real guy, he's he's trained himself, he has experienced a lot of back pain in the past himself, back injuries. He, from that, he's, he's a very sharp guy. He has created courses that deal with your hip mobility and shoulder mobility and basically stopping things like this before the start. He's not going to treat you but what he will do is help you to stop things like that happening again. He's got some great di- self-diagnosing tools to use, um, identifying what needs strengthened, what needs stretched. And then giving you exercises to the, to the fine details how to do that he's got a very funny sort of down to earth style very engaging very comical um he's very likable so it makes it really easy to understand for me and you if you're not clinically trained let's say or medically trained he doesn't use big fancy medical words that medical people do sometimes use which can make it hard to know what they're actually on about these he uses everyday language and it makes sense to me and it should make sense to you as well so check out his stuff Another guy is Dr. Aaron Horschig of Squat University. Um, Again, he's got a great body of work. He's someone who's kind of been up and coming this last few years with the increase in the likes of Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit and different uh, sports. So I have one of his books. It's called Squat University. And he's got another one just out called Rebuilding Milo. I haven't got it yet, but he works with football players from the NFL, minor league baseball players, professional basketball players, Olympic weightlifters, and youth soccer players, CrossFit athletes, and youth athletes in loads of sports. He was also involved in Olympic lifting himself over the last 10 years, competing and coaching, but he's a physiotherapist, he's also a strength and conditioning coach, as I said, he's a speaker and a writer, so his goal is not only to provide the highest quality rehabilitation to athletes that have sustained an injury, but also to help sports medicine society become proactive in how they approach the athlete, there's a lot of physios who don't really know what to do with athletes and they just tell them not to train, but he's got a wealth of knowledge, lots of different uh, technical details of the squat and the deadlift and so on, helping correct imbalances and rehabilitating different injuries. Another guy is Dr. Kelly Starrett. he has a company called The Ready State, used to be called Mobility Wood, but he's a doctor of physiotherapy, he's an author, he's a speaker and he coaches CrossFit as well, but Got a number of books. Supple, sorry, becoming a supple leopard, desk bound and ready to run. I've got one of those. Becoming a supple leopard. It's a brilliant book. It's so thick. There's so much detail in there, but so much um, hands-on material that you can really get your teeth into and try yourself. He specializes in mobility, restoring range of motion, and helping empower people to relieve their own pains and aches and enhancing their performance. He's got stacks of resources in the Ready State website, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook well worth checking out and you'll learn so much about your own body how to maintain it and keep doing the things that you love so check out all those guys um, just check out those those names, those tags, those handles that I've given you and you'll find loads of stuff that will keep you going and it'll help you get to the root of what, what's causing the like your back pain or niggles and knocks and yeah, I, I couldn't recommend those guys enough so a low back pain is really, really common the good news is that the damage is almost never as serious as the pain and discomfort is telling you. I say that because there are some exceptions. Now this doesn't mean that you should just throw throw down some painkillers and get on with things. Pain means that your body is trying to draw your attention that something isn't right when your back locks up, um, as we talk about, and the muscles spasm or they get tighter, it's quite often a safety response get you to stop doing some severe damage to yourself. Taking painkillers without addressing the actual cause it's probably not going to do you any favors long term. If they do work they could potentially leave you with more damage without realizing it because you become numb to the pain so you'll be doing movements and um, exercises or you know postures and work that is actually gonna tick you off even more so whenever the painkillers kind of wear off you're gonna feel a lot of pain. So. Again, if you're taking painkillers, probably best to seek medical advice. But again, if you're a fully functioning adult who is going to take personal responsibility for your own body, you know, do, do whatever you want. But the main reason the lower back tends to be the most troublesome area in the spine, it's because there's no real rigid structure around the lower back to protect it. The rest of the back, so your thoracic region, has the rib cage. Okay? The ribs attach and it's a nice rigid, hard structure. And this makes the lower back much more vulnerable, which is why it is so troublesome. So it also makes it incredibly important, important to learn how to brace properly, like we mentioned above. So whether you're lifting a barbell or just something awkward or heavy, you need to learn how to brace. So how to uh, how to brace and uh, breathe in and down. So whenever you take the air in, you're not trying to lift your ribcage. You're not trying to make your waist really thin. You're trying to breathe in Push that, that, imagine your diaphragm going down and you're trying to expand. So, you're trying to expand your belly, okay, out the sides, out the front, out the back. And then, whenever you do that, you tighten all those core muscles. So, you're taking about 70% air to do that nice and quick. Um, And that, what that does, it helps to, it's like a natural weightlifting belt around that area. So, there's loads of videos on YouTube and stuff. If you need any direction or help with that, do give me a shout. But that's a really important technique when it comes to weightlifting and weightlifting safely this episode this episode has gone on really, really long, and having scratched the surface, there's so much more we could say about the lower back and lower back pain and training, but it probably takes several shows to actually get to where we would want to be to you know do it justice um It's probably even harder to do it justice via audio sometimes whenever you see what we're talking about visually, it's a lot easier to understand and learn from, but hopefully what this episode has done is a wet your appetite and uh Stimulate your thinking and to delve into it in a bit more detail, looking at the resources we've referenced in the, the program. I'd love to get some of the guys that have mentioned on the show at some stage and interview them. I think that really, would be fantastic. That would be really be a dream for me. But maybe whenever we get the shows, a few more shows together, I'll drop them an email and see if they'd be willing to. And as I've said already, as a bit of a disclaimer, if you're the sort of character who likes a wee lawsuit, likes a wee claim, Uh, This is not meant to replace medical advice. Go to your doctor, do whatever they say, forget about everything that's on this this podcast. This podcast is meant to help someone out there. And if you're a fully grown adult who takes responsibility for your own body and your own decisions and your own actions, then I'd recommend that you try some of this stuff and check out the resources and the uh, sources that I've mentioned. And you'll be able to do that properly. And now it's time for some frequently asked questions. So in keeping in line with this week's topic and our discussion, the first question is, Can lifting weights fix my lower back pain? So the the annoying yet truthful answer for this is, It depends. I know it is annoying. It sounds like I'm dodging the question, but let me explain it. Largely, these type of questions can be answered with, It depends, because... There's several different aspects to it and several different uh, several different factors that will affect the answer. So there've been several studies that have done that do suggest that lifting weights can help someone's back feel better. I have lots of anecdotal evidence. You've heard some of that earlier on, me working with clients and how they've noticed it was their observation, not my observation, that since they started training, since they did things that were appropriate and gradually adapted to the weight, that their back start to feel better. Now, there's a study done by the University of Alberta which suggests that, yes, you can improve lower back pain by doing some weight training. Now, the thinking around this is because if you can build a stronger spine, you can b- build stronger muscles supporting the spine. So the whole structure is stronger. You're gonna build more endurance, you're gonna build more tolerance, you're gonna build more robustness. So that's quite often why some injuries and some pain in the back can flare up. So whenever you lose, whenever you get tired, whenever you you lose strength or you don't have enough strength, whenever you get fatigued and you go to lift something, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back, you know that sort of thing. Just more and more pounding, more and more work effort, and if you're not strong enough or you're not adapted to it, then you're gonna maybe get hurt. So other aspects as well, benefits of weight training, obviously bone density. So if your if your back's sore because you're you know, you've got osteoporosis or something like that, there's evidence to suggest that you can possibly reverse that and also strengthen the bones to the point where they will not break as easily, improve the mineral density and so on. We dealt with that a couple of weeks back there with the osteoporosis episode, but the other aspect of it is adaptation. So not only do the muscles adapt and get stronger, but joints, ligaments, tendons, everything gets stronger. So if you give it sufficient stress you will recover and you will adapt and then you will be able to lift a little bit more the next time so if you build up strength same process the same um, attitude then is going to apply so it's not just the muscles you're strengthening but it's your whole structure so it's the same with the spine now I should say it's important to get a diagnosis first so Professor Stuart McGill reckons there's no such thing as non-specific back pain. The University of Alberta applied that study that I mentioned to people with non-specific back pain. So I would tend to agree more with Professor Stuart McGill in the sense that there is usually a cause. There's a cause if you haven't identified it, it's because someone wasn't qualified to identify it. So it's important to identify what the cause is, what the issue is before you start jumping into lifting weights or training to try and reduce your lower back pain if there's significant tissue damage if there's been trauma if there's compressed discs nerves getting pressed etc then loading up weights is probably not the best idea until those things are addressed and the pain subsides to some extent so you could get away with it you could try and jump in and start lifting weights and you might it might work out okay for you but you know it's, it's your body so do whatever you want but i'm not a medical professional but the golden rule is generally if it hurts or makes it worse don't do it should be common sense but You know, it's 2021, seems to be in short supply these days. So I will stress that again. If it hurts, makes it worse, don't do it. If it feels okay or it makes it feel better, generally it should be okay then. But as I say, you're better identifying what are your triggers, what sets your back off and makes your back pain sensitivity increase. So it's like the little, uh, little assessment I mentioned above that Professor Stuart McGill recommends. So figuring out, is it a load? Is it a posture? Is it a movement? Is it a combination of all three? Does that set it off? Figure out your triggers, address how how to correct them, and you know before you start loading up, which could make things worse. Okay, so can lifting weights fix my lower back? Maybe, but you need to do something about it before you start um, lifting weights. You need to address and test it before you start thinking about lifting heavy things. And the next frequently asked question is based upon It's something I've come across time and time again and I've kind of put it into a question that a lot of people might identify with. So, I've had back pain on and off for a few years now and I've been told I have a weak core. Should I do more planks and sit-ups to strengthen my, my back? So this is one, I don't know who's going around telling people they've got a weak core but <laughs> it probably needs to stop because everyone ends up coming to me and telling me they've got a weak core, and then I put them through a few core tests, and their core is, is pretty strong in many ways. So a lot of people think their core is weak maybe because they can't hold a plank for 10 minutes, or because they can't do 100 sit-ups, or maybe they can't do a side plank for more than you know a minute or two. Because a lot of people actually think they've a weak core, but they've never actually tested it. That's the other side of it. Um And again, I guess the annoying answer is, Planks and sit ups, can of strengthen and fix my lower back? It depends again. Now, I would say this if you have had back pain and you're over 30 or 35 years of age, sit ups are maybe not going to be the best option. In fact, the, you might find that they start annoying it even more. Now, just because you can do 100 or 200 sit ups, or you used to be able to whenever you were in your early 20s or your teens, It doesn't mean you should keep doing them. It doesn't mean that you have to keep doing them to keep your core strong. There's several different types of core strength, as we mentioned earlier. And some types of core strength are going to be more important as we get older than others. So we mentioned some of the the, the big three that Professor Shirt McGill recommends. The curl up, the side plank and bird dog. They're all great exercises and if you do them well, they will sufficiently challenge your core to get you started again if you have had back pain. Once you have mastered those, you can start... Building them up and making them a little bit more difficult and more challenging to increase your core strength further. But a lot of the time, I find whenever I'm, te- whenever I'm testing out a clients' core strength, I can hold the plank for well over a minute to the point where it gets boring for them, gets boring for me, and then we start need to start making some sort of changes. We need to start moving the goalposts, adding in some extra challenge. other side of it is um, side planks, a lot of people. Are weak at side planks. Not because their core is weak. But because their shoulder tends to be weak. So that's another thing I've observed over the years. But yeah. You need to maybe. Instead of doing hundreds of sit ups. Try and do more important core um, strengthening exercises. Another good one. I should mention is called the Palloff Press. That's P-A-L-L-O-F. Paloff Press. Simply kneel down. And try and press a band. Which is fixed to a post. Or fixed to a and upright, press it away from you without it tugging you or um, pulling your direction out of line, out of a straight line. There's some great videos online, you should look that one up if you are interested in strengthening your core. So as I said before, there's isometric core strength, there's rotational core strength, anti-rotational, reactive, there's anti-extension um, core exercises as well if you use an ab wheel, it's another great exercise. So there's some core exercises that are better than others, better I would say than planks and sit-ups especially. Um, if you have back pain or you suffer with back pain, I would avoid sit-ups to be perfectly honest with you. So yeah, hopefully that answers that one. There'll be more frequently asked questions again next week. Are you ready for this week's joke of the week? So, I had to sift through an awful lot of jokes to get this one. I've worked really hard. Last week's didn't get a great reception. Got some complaints. See what you think of this one. What did the left eye say to the right eye? Between you and me, something smells. It's good, isn't it? I think it's fantastic. You know what? You can use that one. Stop it. Get some help. that is us for another week thank you so much for joining me if you're still there it's been quite a long show i think this is probably our longest one yet i keep saying this every week but somehow they seem to be getting progressively longer this is a huge topic though so i'm glad we did spend a bit more time laying some of the groundwork and chatting about it hopefully you've gotten something out of it or if you know someone who is currently dealing with back pain share it with them maybe maybe they'll learn something maybe they'll get something Helpful out of it. As I said at the start, I'm not a medical professional, discard everything I say. I'm just some dude that has uh, experienced it myself. I've worked with people who've had it, I've read a lot about it, I've studied a lot about it, and I'm basically just referencing what the experts say here today. So, a lot of takeaways. I'm going to run over them really quickly in case you've forgotten, but prevention is better than cure, so try and do all of these things that we know that you. Can do now to stop it from happening it's really really common in the Western world to get back pain but there are certain things that we can do now to reduce the chances of suffering from it or at least suffering from it from a, a really large extent to the point where it's in our things keep a, ment- a mental attitude that is positive so you know trust in your body's ability to heal itself okay it's been designed it's been programmed in that way to be able to heal, so no matter what the damage is, it's gonna try and heal. Now, there are certain rare occasions when the damage is so great that intervention might be needed, but there's an awful lot that we can do with a few little tweaks that can help the spine and the back to heal and feel better and stop those triggers from happening. So keep a positive attitude, don't let anybody write you off or put you in the, on the dump hill. Make sure that you uh, just have an attitude if I'm gonna overcome this, I'm gonna overcome this. Um, you know good things a lot of the time will happen also watch out for con men and con women who maybe will try and uh, take all of your hard-earned money and uh, tell you you need a 12-week course of this and uh, you need them to you know, set you on a table like happened to me see someone who's an expert in their field someone who you can trust and someone who has a, a track record of helping other people get a specific diagnosis find out what the cause is and find out from them what you need to do to stop it happening in the future as much as possible don't accept non-specific back pain as a diagnosis i don't think that is an appropriate diagnosis i think that is a uh, it's kind of admitting that they're not qualified to deal with it but other things you can do is learn to brace your core correctly learn how to hinge your hips correctly how to pick things up correctly so that comes down to training also get a good bed a good mattress set your desk up appropriately for your dimensions for your height for the length of your arms length of your spine And uh, get your car seat set up appropriately as well. Avoid sitting for long periods where the the hips become pretty much useless and the lower back takes a lot of the stress. Take care of your hip mobility. So there's things you need to do every single day. I need to do every single day to keep my back feeling good and keep my hips healthy. Improve your core stability. Learn how to brace correctly as we said above, but also try and improve your core stability through the variety of core exercises we mentioned. Strengthen your core as well through those figure out your own triggers so don't just rely on your on your physio to try and figure out your your triggers do it yourself learn about your own back learn about what sets it off what's good for it what's bad for it take ownership for um, your own spine health and take responsibility for it like we said in previous episodes so that is us for this week remember tune today so you can be stronger tomorrow and i will see you again and chat again next week thanks for listening We'll